Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Brighton Barzia and uh, excited for him to share a little bit about his perspective and his experience and uh, have a conversation. So without further ado, Brighton, you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Hi, Liam. Thank you so much for having me on. Excited to be on here. Uh, my name is Brighton. I'm the founder CEO of Wealth Marathon, which is basically a financial service firm. Uh, we do financial coaching, educational financial coaching as well. Um, and we also do other products like mortgages and anything related to finance, we kind of take care of it. And the whole idea for the company was just, I worked for the bank for over 12 years and I just felt too much sales pitch. So we kind of take that out of their whole equation. It's just talking about you and helping you actually make money and become wealthy as opposed to trying to sell your product. Very cool. Uh, do you always know you wanted to go the finance route? Yeah, so my story kind of backdrop. Um, um, my family immigrated to Canada in the 90s. Um, so we came out here. My parents basically knew nothing about the system. So if you think of like the world's a little bit different now, but back when my family came to Canada, Nigeria was predominantly a cash-based system and this was a credit-based system. So my parents struggled trying to understand that, you know, back in Nigeria, you typically save up, you have all the money, you pay for everything in cash. Here, you sort of just finance it. If you can afford it, you can get it, but you don't necessarily pay for it all in cash. Um, so that was a little bit of confusion for them. They didn't really know how to handle that. And that got my parents into a lot of financial trouble. So as a kid watching that, I kind of like was observing it. And I think that's what spurred me into wanting to go into finance. I just saw how damaging it was when you didn't get the right information. Um, and I just didn't want that for myself. And I wanted to also help my parents, I think. So I always had an interest in finance because I just wanted to learn. And I figured if I could learn it, I could help my parents get out of the situation. Um, and that's what got me. So I kind of want to know a little bit more about finance. And then as you transitioned into running your own company, right? sounds like uh, obviously mortgage was a big experience on the banking side. So that came across the financial education seems like from the experience with your parents and wanting to give back and help others. Are, are there other elements or levers in that business that you see, uh, you know, growing or big functions for you? Yeah, I, I mean, this kind of, con- I had this concept in the back of my mind when I was the bank as an advisor, because I saw a theme that was happening, particularly with people in my generation, millennial generation, which is they typically don't go to the bank. And if they do go to the bank, it's like just at random because they have to, but they don't actually enjoy the process of going to the bank. And a lot of that just comes with, you know, when you go to an advisor, and I think it's a fault for our industry in the sense of like, we start trying to show how smart we are and we forget like the individual in front of us really doesn't care. And it actually that intimidates them. It makes them feel like they don't know anything. So then they can't ask any questions. So the idea behind the company was really trying. And when I saw that, I saw a lot of my friends were just like, I'm like, where do you get your advice from? They're just like, oh, I read blogs, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now that's just become even like more today than it was because we've got YouTube, we've got different channels where we can give advice. So I just saw that. I'm like, okay, people are not going to keep going to the bank because A, they don't really trust the bank and B, they feel like they're constantly being sold something. Um, and that's where this idea in back of my mind kind of came was like, okay, if you can find out where someone's knowledgeable, credible, um, actually has the expertise to provide you the information and take out the sales element 
then you and I can just talk about like, what do you want out of life? And then how do I help you get that? Um, and then the fee is very transparent in terms of what you pay for me. It's if I'm doing a good job, you achieving what you want. If I'm not, I'm, you're not achieving what I want. So it's a very clear, simple way to know if I'm doing a good job or not. And I just, I just like that. And the way I want to run it, I put this in my book is the great thing we're having your own companies. You can run it the way you see fit. I always felt like I didn't want to give advice that I wouldn't give my mom if she had the same similar situation. Like, I'm not going to just give you advice because it works out for me. And a lot of my clients trust in that because sometimes I'm giving advice that literally moves you away from me because I'm going, I'm not the best person for this. I don't have an expertise in this area, but here's X that can follow up with you. And I think that's always been my intention is creating a place where it's not intimidating for you. It's very casual. You can ask the questions. And I always say like, I try to have, tell my clients to be in my conversation. Remember in classrooms when the teacher asks you, like there's no stupid questions, but no one raised their hands because no one looks stupid. That's what I try to tell my clients. Like this is an environment where you can absolutely be comfortable because it's just you and I. And we can have a conversation because I think with finance, you have to get over that embarrassment and just know I don't have all the answers. I might have a little more knowledge, but if you're open to sharing the things that are bothering you, I can kind of help you get to that point or at least find resources to get to that point. So that's where it kind of all pinched on. Long way to answer there. <laughs> so as we transition into the core question, right? Once you reach that point of profitability, right? And right, didn't have to worry about roof over the head, food on the table. What was your strategic framework in terms of where you put the money? Uh, did you go buy a house? Did you go buy a car? Did you, you know, invest it back in the business? Right. What what was the framework for you in terms of uh, how you structured where cash flow went? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's always been from my perspective. I always said when I started, I don't want to be the restaurant owner that works seven days a week, which means I don't want to be an employee of my company. If that makes sense to people, like I really am opposed to that. For me, the most important commodity I have is time. So my investments in terms of proceeds from the company are always about other investments that can allocate me more time. So it's not about, you know, of course, like you spend things on the things you like, maybe you go a couple more vacations or whatever. But from a strategic standpoint, it's really looking at my business and making sure if my business isn't doing well, I have other income sources or the revenue sources that can provide that. So for me, real estate is a big part where those resources go to provide kind of a free cash flow to let my business keep operating. It allows me to take more risk actually on my business because I know on the back end we've got other revenue streams coming on that I personally can rely on. Um, it allows the business to kind of function. We still make investments in the business in terms of like there's capital in there to make, you know, advertise marketing, whatever it is. But if I have a big chunk of profit, I usually find ways to try to create other source of income with that. And predominantly where that usually goes is real estate, just because, you know, multifamily or residential side itself. So that's how I structure it with the free cash flow. What sort of, so you mentioned multifamily. Uh, it sounds like these are rental properties. How did you get into that and how did you uh, kind of go explore? Um, it started off with just, you know, I started with residential side. So that was my first, you know, in the book I said, you know, we bought our principal with a basement suite attached to it. So that was my first engagement into real estate. And I just felt like, you know, everyone always say, no, you know, a principal home is an asset. And for me, like I never really 
understood that because I was like right away, this is before even people start telling me, I just went, but if, if you keep paying someone, <laughs> like how is it a cash flow? Like for me, it didn't make sense right away. Even though at college, I never really understood that. So when I bought my first property and having a conversation with people that were more seasoned investors and you know own their own home. I really was like, oh, no, that's not the right way to set it up. You need to find a free cash flow. Um, so that's what I did. And then that just led to, you know, you buy a couple of properties in residential and everyone that's done residential runs into this, which is at a certain point for residential where you just can't acquire more properties. Um, in terms of borrowing the money, you can always acquire more if you have the cash, but then it doesn't make a good return because you put all your equity into that. So what eventually led is you lead to multifamily where the income qualification isn't based on your personal income, but it's more based on a business approach. And I like that because it's straightforward. If the property cash flows enough, where it makes sense for the lender to be able to know that, okay, with the amount of rent you're getting, you can cover that debt and the mortgage is paid off, they'll give you a loan. If it doesn't, they're not going to give you the loan. So it's much harder, not impossible, but harder to get into a bad deal with a multifamily side because the lenders, by the way, the business is structured, the lending is structured, you have to be able to hit that number. Whereas on the residential side, it's emotional. Everything's very emotional. I think this will go up in you know 2%. I think this will go up 10%. And then you use that rationale to try to overpay for something that you really shouldn't. Commercial, it's a little bit different. It's harder to do that. Not impossible, but harder because um, it's a business transaction, not an emotional transaction. All your properties up in Canada? Yes. In Vancouver, or did you have to go to more cash flow markets? Alberta, BC. <laughs> yeah, you have to look for different, you know, it's it's tough now. I mean, I don't know, like this game now, you're in Seattle, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, it's tough to make the numbers jive in these high price markets. And you almost have to, if you're going to get in, you almost have to find a strategy where you can play the long game which means you accept some losses, but you have a strategy in place to say, hey, in 10 years, this should be okay. Um, but if you're trying to do a cash flow straight play, you have to go to market where the prices are a little bit more reasonable and then rent rates are a little more stable itself. So yeah, Alberta is good for that. There's other areas of Saskatchewan too, if you want to look into that. What are the other components outside of real estate that you are looking at or use to diversify? Yeah, the other one would be just my own personal investment portfolio, like stock investments. So I am passively all um, in passive investments. That's what I do personally for myself, my family. So those are the big two quadrant that fund kind of like aside from the business side. It's no, we have the investment side and then we have the real estate side. And then I funnel the money into those two because of the two big assets that personally I believe in, <laughs> I think will hold and they generate cash flow, which is my thing is I'm always looking for cash flow. There's always random deals that may come up. Maybe you go into like, you know, some comes up where a friend presents you an offer or whatever it is. Those are more random, but long-term, those are my plays that I believe, you know, this will eventually become more of a renter world where people will start to see that calculations and go, it just doesn't make sense. And even places such as Alberta that are lower priced, you know, the people are just going to influx into there and then you're going to have the same problem. I call like, you know, I think the States, it's the whole movement from people going from um, California all the way to Texas. And I go, you're just going to replicate the same problem at some point, because if enough people move over there, the same problems are going to stand. And then those who were there first will benefit. And those who were there late will not be able to benefit. So that's kind of my thought process is 
human beings create the same cycles over and over. It's just it's harder for us collectively to realize we're doing the exact same thing that's been done, you know, several years ago. Um, so that's kind of what I watch, right? I think renting will become more of a norm. If you go to Paris, any kind of major city, Tokyo, no one really, home ownership isn't a thing and people are comfortable renting. It's just here, people still think it's possible, but we're getting to a point where we're pushing those limits on that. Do you think that's a generational thing or do you think it's purely a necessity of affordability uh, that will require rent as opposed to own? Generation and also just fundamentals. They're just not, they don't support. Um, when you're thinking about a young family starting out, you have to ask, you know, to go back, I was talking about we've decoupled income, which income is what stabilizes the prices. And what happened is we've been, we found this creative way as we always do as human beings to basically be able to, you know, take future income games and bring them back by basically using credit. Income doesn't matter as much anymore when it comes to a qualification because everyone's equity. So everyone just dumps more equity and puts more down to continue on. So taking away that income side of thing is why I think it's made our generation, myself or younger, harder to start. Uh, when I started my home seven years ago, you know, it was in the 400. Today, that same home is 1.5. That's like in a few years. That's an insane amount of appreciation that the income cannot simply keep up with. And I think what you start to have is you have this two part of societies where people are who they've gotten, they've got the assets and they're doing great. And you have another larger portion of society that can get in. And at a certain point, they have to make a calculations. Am I going to keep at this for, you know, whatever it is, X number of years to save up for that home? Or do I just start living my life and move on? And I think a lot of younger people are starting to realize, you know, maybe I create a business, maybe I find other cash flow, and maybe owning a home isn't really that big of a thing and doesn't define who I am. And they move on. And those individuals like myself are coached with, they're buying rental properties. They're still owning properties, just buying rental properties as opposed to principal residence. Maybe they go buy a multifamily as opposed to a principal residence. So it's just a mindset generational change, but I think it's a result of just the fundamentals of how the market is that's causing people to want to do it that way. People still want to own homes. It's just the vast majority of them are having a tough time being able to attain that dream. What's the most exciting thing that you're working on today, Brighton, that uh, gets your juices flowing in the morning that you're excited to go and tackle? Yeah, so I've been trying to do like more of a video, uh, like a catalog, basically, I want to create for people to just with the website. So we've been working behind the scenes on that. And we're hoping next year we can like the whole website. So the whole idea is basically this place where you can get, you know, I think one of the things I say, you go on YouTube and you have personalities that are doing, they're doing great information, but I think it'd be nice to have a place with someone who's trained in their craft and really practicing, you know, has experience, maybe he's done some educational stuff that's giving you information that's relatable and actually accurate for you. Um, so what I've been doing is just creating like a video catalog because video is really big on people nowadays where people can literally get the information they need. And then if they decide they want to do a coaching with me, that's something they can transition into. But this way is a more accessible and just a simple fee for people to access this catalog of information. So that's kind of what I've been doing behind the scenes, getting in front of a camera and getting comfortable um, and just basically taking all those conversations with my clients and what I've learned over the years and putting it on video where people can kind of just consume it at their own time. Um, and then, you know, like we're working on a YouTube side too to kind of drive some more people 
into that information. But that's what I'm excited about. I like the video more than I thought I would. Uh, once I figure out how to actually get comfortable, I've been comfortable now, but once I go online, maybe I won't be able to look at the reviews and have a second thought. <laughs> that's funny. What's, uh, what's the best way for the audience to be able to connect back with you? Yeah, the best way to connect with me would just be going to the website, www.wealthmarathon.com. That's where you can find all the contact info uh, about me and the company. I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to search my name. I post uh, quite frequently on there. So that's probably the best place to get a contact with me directly. Any last words of wisdom you want to share with the audience in terms you know, people who are getting to this point of profitability and you know how to think about it or what to do or things you want to share from your personal experience? Yeah, I think that's early on what I said. It's just to me, I think time is the most precious commodity we have because you know you don't ever know when your time is going to be up. So for me on the business side, one of the reasons why I switched from being employed to being self-employed was to create more time for myself. So one of the things I try to do is not replicate basically, like I said, I don't want to be an employee of my company. I want to work hard in my company. I want to be kind of targeted with my time. But I also want to make sure my company allows me to have the time and do the things that I want. Um, and that's kind of how we structure it. So I think you can some it's in the beginning, you're gonna to have to be hit and running. You're not gonna have that time, but hopefully you're setting up those structures where you can at some point when you have your profitable and all that, you can then have those times. So don't set up so you're just constantly on the wheel, but find a way where you can keep the system going great, but still allow you to have more time to do the things that you know bring joy to you and you know, spend time with your family and such. Awesome, Brighton. Really appreciate the insights and uh, your perspective today. Awesome, Liam. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners like yourself diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 